podcast world what's up chad belding another episode of this life ain't for everybody thank you all so much for being here for joining us and thank you for subscribing thank you for the ratings thank you for the reviews and all of the continued support for not just this life ain't for everybody but our sister podcast the foul life as well as our national tv show the foul life exclusively on the outdoor channel it means a world to us to have the support of all of our audience, to support our brands, Bandit, Avery, Greenhead Gear, Jargon Game Calls, and soon to be a line of cooking, cookbooks, apparatuses, accessories, you name it. We have some plans for you backyard aficionados on those Traeger grills. So again, we couldn't do without you. Thank you all so much. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Dixie Peck Tires as we travel America's back roads, highways, freeways, dirt roads, gravel roads, chasing down that migration, chasing down that American dream. We depend on Dixie Peck Tires and Wheels to keep us comfortable, keep us safe, and get us from point A to point B, our final destination, so we can hang out with family and friends and have a true understanding of how blessed we are to live this life under God's blue skies on this green earth, seeing what mother nature has to offer, what a campfire smells like, what fresh coffee smells like, what a wet dog looks like when he's shaking off that cold water in Arkansas timber, you name it, we get to experience it and we do not take it for granted. We know we are not entitled to it more. So blessed. So thank you, Dick CPEC for everything you do for all of our entities and our brands. Today's guest is A true American badass. I read one quote about he literally could be a Hollywood, you know, blockbuster movie star with his jawline, his good looks, his accent. He hails from the state of Arkansas. He is consistently one of the top professional bull riders in the world on the PBR tour. Professional bull riders. He's always in the running for the world championship. And he is uh, he's injured while we're going to talk to him today. Chase Outlaw, how are you, my brother? Uh, getting better every day. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. And uh, I, uh, I knew you were injured again, but when you got here, you told me that this was your fourth reconstructive shoulder surgery? Yes, sir. Yeah, fourth, fourth one now in the past, well, since I was 19. So you're 27 now. So eight years. This one happened back in October. Did you know? Did you? Was it on a dismount, or you got bucked off and, and landed wrong, or did you ride eight seconds and you were trying to be too fancy getting off it? What happened? No, I I rode my bull and just pulled my tail, gonna jump off. Just nice, nice, good soft landing, and my spur kind of hung up up there on top of his back and sort of just slammed me on my butt a little bit, and I put my elbow down and didn't. Didn't act like nothing, just sort of jarred my shoulder a little. Went on about my weekend, carried it out, and went and got checked out after the finals, after the after the World Finals, and ended up being a lot worse than it I thought it was. So it ended up being to where you needed to have it reconstructed, to where they, they couldn't go in arthroscopically. They had to go in with the cut you wide open and, yes, and repair sir. some stuff. Was it the labrum and your capsule? What was it? Uh, they did the rotator cuff and the labrum to the cuff. And capsule to the labrum. Damn. And when it happened, it semi came out of socket. So that's what tore 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 the labrum and the cuff whenever it tried to come out. So you had a little bit of the lethal weapon shoulder going on when Mel Gibson would bang it back in place. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, but it's, yeah, his shoulder would always come out of socket. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. 
I've had that too, man. We share that in common. I had my right shoulder reconstructed with a baseball injury, but where were you? You was it a packed house? And when you is your momentum and your adrenaline so high that you can't even tell that you get an injury like that? Because it's a it's a pretty significant injury, especially in the line of work that you do. Yeah, um, well, when I landed on it, I could tell. I sort of knew something, but it didn't. I don't know. It wasn't a wasn't a deep. It wasn't a bad pain, it, but I could tell something in there happened, and it wasn't supposed to happen. And uh, but I mean, I was at the point of t- point in time of a world world title race that you know you can't worry about something like that. It was way too far from my heart to to slow me down, or much less to even have thoughts about to even attempt to slow me down. So you know, you just had to keep being a well. At that point in running world title race, you really is kind of you had to turn into a whole different animal, and you just had to not turn that switch off. And when you're talking about a world title race, you're you say it nonchalant, but it, you know when you're dealing with, I always often wonder what would happen if I tried to get on a bull. And you tell me if some of the things that I say are untrue right here, because I kind of want to hear a day in the life of a bull rider of your caliber. You're consistently there fighting for the title, world championship. You have unbelievable competitors. This isn't no easy feat. There's a lot of stout bull riders that are in America that come from Brazil, Canada. There's worldwide. There's World Cup bull riding now. When you say a world cup or a world championship, you know, race and you're in the running for that, is it just nonchalant when you're going to work? Is it just another day at the office? Because I look at you, you're what, five five, five six? Am I close? Man, five four, five five. Five four, five five, hundred and fifty pounds. I say five five and my wife will look at me and <laughs> I mean, right, maybe five four and a half. <laughs> so are you hundred and fifty pounds? Yes, sir. I like to stay about one forty though. Is that what you ride at? One forty. That's about my fighting weight. One thirty one thirty six to one forty is I feel I'm I feel I feel good because four, four to five pounds from your waist up. So that's that's that do a lot when the centrifugal force gets to gets to going. What does the average PBR ranked bull weigh? Fourteen average fourteen to eighteen hundred. And you weigh a hundred and thirty seven pounds at your fighting weight, and you're climbing on the back of a 14 and this is where i'm going with this they're not just 1400 to 1800 pounds of dead weight these are probably and you tell me if i'm wrong they're probably the best athletes in the world you're looking at something that weighs that much that can jump that high spin that fast and keep it going with his heart rate going through the roof but just not stop bucking until he absolutely has to are is that fair to say i mean they're the greatest athletes that are known to mankind um i wouldn't far as they are one of the greatest athletes animal athletes because you got to look that they ain't just they're not just some dumb farm animal just just some old bull pulled off a farm out the pasture you know these are animal athletes with the bloodline and genetics of the thoroughbred racehorses and so and these animals are trained to to do their job and to buck and those the men that own these bulls, they get rewarded for having a great athlete as well. So these animals are treated to the utmost with the utmost care. They're treated better than sometimes we treat ourselves. And um, you know, so we have to say that a fourteen to eighteen hundred pound animal and someone they got someone's got muscles behind their ears. 
Yeah, I would have to say they're one of the strongest. They are by far the strongest athlete in the world. I would have to say that. Well, if you if you if you say that they're not the best athlete, and I know that there's unbelievable. Yeah, animal I'm athletes, really, I didn't want to say that and step on it. nobody's toes. I know, and, I get it, but they. Have you ever heard of any scientific research or reports of how high a rank bull jumps, how high his back feet can get off the ground or, you know, the average of that? Is there any study behind that? I'm sure y- there is. Yeah, the PBR, they've, um, uh, which if, tune in, if anybody don't follow the professional bull riders, you know, they need to make that your next step. Go follow professional bull riders and uh, make that one of your next sports you watch. But, yes, the PBR has uh, really grown and made it from where a cowboy can – make a living doing what he loves being a cowboy and riding bulls so um they have went in with the studies on the g-forces and had stuff connected on our equipment as well as the straps that are on the back of the bulls that help them to buck and they've had straps to all kinds of little gadgets on there to measure the g-forces and the centripetal force and all that scientific stuff. But, yes, they have done that, to answer your question. And um, Have you heard a number, like how many inches or feet these are off the ground? Not that, but the G-forces of a linebacker, it was just for instance. Like I'm just going to use bit, just solid numbers so it's easy to reference. So, say, uh, it would be a linebacker would hit you at like 100, 100 G-forces, and the G-forces of – of us hitting the ground from that bull throwing us was like 900 and then sometimes the guy would be like 1400 and stuff like that. It was like way, way more than what a NFL getting hit by an NFL linebacker or, and the, the, the speed of, well, I don't know the numbers of that, but it was very, if you looked at it on paper, you could see the big difference. It's crazy. I wish if you'd if I'd have known some of that, I, I could have got them numbers. Well, for we can you. get them later and put yeah. them up on the website. But <clears throat> I, I I've been around the PBR. I've been around the NFR in Vegas at Thomas and Mack Center. I've been around several of the PRCA rodeos in in Pendleton or Reno, you're Nevada. From Nevada. Yeah, and Reno's a big rodeo, and Vegas has the World Finals of PBR and NFR. Um, big rodeo state. Um, have a ton of respect for the lifestyle to the point to where. I almost, <laughs> it probably sounds ignorant, but I would almost get upset with people that would wear Wranglers or the cowboy attire just because it was rodeo week when they don't even know how to really put a saddle on a horse. And then <laughs> I've been educated enough time, you know, by cowboys or cowgirls or, ro- you know, horse people that say, hey, if they want to be a part of the culture, it's fine. And I guess it is. It was just, I always had it in my mind, like, man, what these cowboys are doing is like, on. it's just so american it's so badass it's so traditional it's so western and i think that with the business of rodeo where it went so fast and i don't know the exact story but i know it was something with tough and he went from the prca and had a little meeting in a hotel room had some investors they locked up this idea it was it was all bull riders it was bull riders in a hotel room and they started the pbr and since that he's 10 um group of guys yeah did that same yeah what you're saying and they start this thing called the PBR that starts slow, some get some riders in it. And now all of a sudden, I would venture to say that it probably, and I'm not saying that the PRCA doesn't have strong bull riders, because they do. They, again, they have ranked bulls out of a lot of good pins and a lot of good stock sell, uh, you know, stock guys that supply the, the animals to the rodeo. 
But man, it seems like the PBR has got the, the cream of the crop, right? Because of the money available, because of the consistency in the schedule, it seems like you guys are like UFC. It seems like there's a fight every night almost, or at least every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Sunday, right? Sometimes you got two <clears throat> cities going at a time, it seems like. Yeah, especially well, on the Un- Monster Unleashed the Beast series, it's, it's one of them going on every weekend pretty much from January to the first weekend of November. Um, they take a little couple week break there in the summer, but usually there's one every weekend. But then you got the Touring Pro and the Pendleton Whiskey Velocity Tour divisions. There's one going on every weekend, every day, every weekend of the year in the United States, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Mexico. There's a PBR event going on somewhere that you could go to. Just how bad you really want to go. There's one going on every weekend, if not one every week so what is the average that you probably have to go to out of all these events to be in the world title running last year well last year i think i got on right at 160 bulls 160 bulls and that's not counting re-rides 160 different bulls that you have to ride for eight seconds to qualify you don't get you don't qual. you don't know and i think i ended up riding 52 percent of my bulls so I got on 160, so I rode. A little over 80. So are you, is that high numbers? Is that a that's, high success that, rate? That's pretty daggone good to be considered you riding the best animal. One of, the, yeah, there you go, said the best animal athletes in the world. They gotta yeah, be. yeah. They gotta, I've always said that, not that I'm anybody, but when I was around, when I was telling you I go to these rodeos and get down by the chutes and be a part of it, when you see it, you're like, what animal could touch him? Well, then you got tigers and you got lions and leopards and panthers and animals that can run 70 miles an hour and take down a freaking elephant or a zebra or a water buffalo or something. There's some badass animals out there. But a bull, to come out of that little chute to where he can barely fit in it, and they pull that gate, and what happens in the next eight seconds, I don't know if you can get that that momentum or adrenaline out of anything else. I'm not saying that, you know, there's some... I don't know, a tiger chasing me? I probably could. <laughs> you probably could but it's but in eight <clears throat> seconds that bull has got you twisted or bucked off or going you know changing direction his head's up his head's down his butt's up his butt there's a lot of shit going on and i'm just like man in eight seconds it's a lot of variables a lot of variables so i want to i want to go through a couple things of a day in the life you get an idea of a guy you in a limousine and you're all pampered and you and you get to a five star hotel resort, and you got a massage. I don't think that that's it with a guy like you. You seem to be the guy with the straw, or the Copenhagen in his mouth, window down, George Strait on the radio, or some country musician, Cody Jinks, probably with your age, and and you're and you're in a Ford pickup with a big brush guard bumper on the front. You just left the ranch, and hey, it's time to get to the arena. Is it or how does it work out? How does it, give me a day in the life of a, of a championship bull rider? And basically. Basically about it right there. You hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, no, uh, that is basically it. Uh, just there at the place, keep just keeping the place going every day. And then on a, usually be leaving on a Friday or on a Thursday or Friday, depending on the event, being a Friday or Saturday or Saturday or Sunday or all three-day weekend. So we're usually home on a – and then back home on a Monday. So we're home Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leave on a Thursday night or Friday morning. But yeah, basically that's it. And and if it's if it's under ten hours, I'm I'm driving. I mean, so me and my family can go with me. But that's basically about it. No, I'm not. We ain't at no five star hotel. We are. I mean, some sometime at them big cities like we're in New York. I mean, ain't got no Motel Six there. But um, obviously we're at we're at the nice hotels and whatnot. But 
yeah, that's that's about the nicest we live. And now I'm not just some big glamorous. I might be a professional bull rider, but that's what everybody thinks. They said, oh, you must be rich and all that. No, I'm living, living a double wide and just got me a couple acres. Well, I got me 60 acres, but um, not not just rich and by no means. It takes a lot of money to takes a lot of money to chase that dream and it ain't just something that I just show up and do. No, it take it takes so much to to chase this dream and to love what you you know, for to do something you love to do. So and I know once that fuse burns out, you know, it ain't it ain't gonna light back up. It ain't something I can do at fifty. No so way. I gotta what is, the, what is the expectancy of a bull rider? Not life expectancy. I mean, career um, expectancy. Are some of them doing it into their mid-30s? Yeah, 35 to 37, the guys are still, I believe, anywhere from 27, from 27 years old to 32, from 27 to 32, 33, a man's in his prime because he's matured on, he's matured at the aspect of the, as far as, being in that in pressured moments and um, making decisions because uh, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of decision making going on and getting on these animals you can't. So um, I believe from twenty seven to thirty two, a man twenty seven to thirty, probably around that time, a man's in his prime. Just from what I've witnessed and being on tour, this will be my ninth year professional riding the PBR, and I was there, with Chris Shivers. I was there full season when Chris Shivers rode his last year. Um, I was there when Glaramay Marchi retired, when Renato Nunez retired, when Cody Lostro retired. And so I've seen it. I've seen it all. I've seen them guys come in, be there, and then I've seen And they was all around that era when they was in their prime still. And, and I believe that, heck, I've had all these surgeries, but I believe I'm, I'm just now getting into my prime. But you got to have some screws loose, dude, to do what you've got, <laughs> to go through what you've gone through. I don't want to get off this subject of a day in the life of, a, of what you do, because I want to get back to that. Because I think, I think mentally you have to be so prepared for this. There's so many factors and variables and moving parts of what could go wrong to where you're not in the running for money. You've already made a comment that this is how you make your living. If you're not riding, you ain't earning. And if you're not earning, you're probably going to have to go find another line of work to make a living to pay for your three babies and your wife. There's no secret about that. That's just life. Yeah. Now, with that being said, and you have all these, the mental part of the, and the mental aspect of this, do you ever get to the, have you ever been scared? Do you get frightened? Because I would think that if you didn't, you're probably not human. Probably be lying. Yeah. Somebody says there's, yeah. Nervous, of course. Yes. But now what about the mental part of getting back on a bull that whipped your ass in the, in the first go around or in the week before when you drew him, does that ever play a role to where you get beat mentally because this bull pulled something on you that you weren't expecting? Or are you so mentally tough that you're prepared for anything? Even if you have to get back on that same bull after him whipping your ass the week before. Well, that that really is what separates the men from the boys, you know, at this game, from the ones that sort of just hang out there on tour. For the ones that are ones that are up there, you got to be able to you got to be able to block that block that out and can't say you don't get scared. You know, every, everybody gets scared. It's just how they deal with that fear, and um, you know, you can use it to either build you up or you can let it break you down. And so that's really it's it's. 80 percent mental in bull riding because if you don't believe you can, you might as well not even be trying it. And that's with anything in life. But 
really with this, you have to you have to be an absolute animal and a savage when it comes to this. Just uh, you have to be mentally tough, and you have to know without a doubt that whether this bull bucked you off before, whether he hurt you before. <clears throat> You showed up to do a job, and that's to be a freaking cowboy, and that's to ride your bull. So you have to let that fear. You have to let that fear f- fuel your fire. And yeah, after my bad accident, um, you know, it really. So I, when you hear the words "war cloud," you don't get shit in your pants, or you don't get you don't. Shake. I think about a big old T-bone steak, and me chopping that song on up. Really. <laughs> So war cloud. Let's talk about this day. Let's go back to a day in the life. What arena yeah. does this, this? This this is in in summer of eighteen. Yeah, yeah, so, yes, sir. Summer okay, of eighteen. Where, where are you? What part of the country? When uh, I got on that bull war cloud, oh, yeah. is that Cheyenne? You're in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Wyoming, which is significant because of what had happened up there with the movie with yeah. the, the yeah. cowboy named Lane Frost. Big time significant. One of the biggest rodeos traditionally, there's a statue of Lane when you pull up to the rodeo grounds. Cheyenne Frontier Days is a very popular event with tons of country musicians. Kid Rock's played it. It's an awesome place. So there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of... I uh, seen Motley Crue there when I was 18. Yeah, and, Motley Crue. Ooh. Kickstart my heart, a little Dr. Feelgood. So there's a lot of tradition and heritage in this part of the country. So what are you doing that day? Cheyenne's not a real big money town with a lot of Ritz-Carlton. So you're at a normal hotel. You eat a breakfast. You get uh, your coffee. Didn't even, I, didn't, I didn't even get to the hotel yet. We flew in from Denver, and um, we drove in and met some people there, and didn't even go to the hotel yet. So you just went right to the arena, yeah, right there. straight to the bull riding. So you get off of the plane and you get escorted over to the arena. No, no, we get off the plane, we get on the rental car shuttle, and we go to the rental car <laughs> place, and we get us a rental car. Me and my wife and somebody's in. My sister and uh, we go to the, we drive to Cheyenne. So you're you get off the plane in Cheyenne? No, I get you, off plane in Denver. So you flew to Denver and then got a rental car and then drove. That's two hours to Cheyenne from yes, the Denver International Airport. You get on I twenty five headed north, Front Range of Colorado. You're thinking the whole time, like I'm I'm getting there and I'm going to ride a bull. You're going to ride a bull that weekend in Cheyenne. This is that the, day. This is a PBR event. You're getting on one that day. That day headed so, there to headed there to. Ride that day. So are you dressed in sweatpants and you're leisurely just on in a rental car? Or are you and your Wranglers and ready to roll at this time? No, I got my blue jeans on, but I'm comfortable. You're comfortable. And then, so when you when you get dressed, is there a superstition? Is there something that you do on a daily when you're getting ready for war, when you're getting ready for competition? Is there something that you do? Is there a certain way that you tuck your shirt in? Is there a certain amount of starch in your Wranglers? Is there anything like that? No. Any game? So nothing. It's just a pair of Wranglers and a cowboy shirt. Yeah, because there's too many variables. Because one day, you know, you might not be able to do that. And then there you're thinking, well... So you just, I mean, it. Life's, it's it's going to throw different uh, curveballs at you. So you got to be able to adjust and. So what? Do you, so what? Do you, when you're getting dressed, you you wear Wranglers. Yes, sir. What I kind would. of boots? Any certain kind of boot? Uh, You've got to have a boot sponsor. No, don't have a boot sponsor. Really? Mm-mm. No boots. Well, we got to figure that out. I like Ariat boots and Ooh, Ariat, Ariat boot for you know work and all that around. And they got some nice dress boot, but. For dressing out, if I'm going out, I like some Lucases. Lucases, and what do you ride in? Uh, I got a pair of Ariat boots that you ride in. Yeah. So you're <clears throat> got Lariats on the feet, Wranglers on the legs. What kind of shirt? Wrangler shirt. Wrangler shirt. Now, do you work with Wrangler? Yes, sir. What a great American company! Are they out of Texas? 
Are they out of Texas right now? I don't know. I think they might be. But you got Wrangler on. What kind of hat you wear to the arena? Uh, I got an American hat. You got an American hat. And now you ride with a helmet, right? Yes, sir. Why do people not? Why do they choose to? Do you think they're crazy? Or did you, before your accident? I didn't wear a helmet. So you had a cowboy hat on this day? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get there, and, and how do you draw? Like in duck calling competitions, you draw a pill with a number on it. When you're getting in line for a duck blind at a public public area, no, they, you draw you draw a number, and you pick your blind. How do you draw your bull in the PBR? They, uh, they say this is on a Saturday night. They had draw posted on Wednesday. They do it on Tuesday in the office on a spreadsheet. Um, you know, 40, 40 guys on one side, 40 bulls on the other, and just mixes them up and – that's how they do it. But when you get to the championship round, it, you go in from your first pick guy. You know, he gets picked first. with your, He's the highest points on your aggregate. So then it goes down to 15. So the bull rider gets to pick the bull he wants. Yeah. Really? In the championship round. Really. And then who picks the bulls that are in the championship round? Are they each pointed uh, to? The stock coordinator. The yeah. stock coordinator does. And that's based on how they performed the previous two nights? Or or sometimes they have they do that if they don't have no short rambles they'll take some of them long rambles that are the better ones that put with them short rounders but a lot of the times if you go into an event they just that short rounds just it's own it's its own league of bulls so they they got them already there then they're just for the short round like them are the real deals so this isn't in the short round though this is the saturday is that considered a short round uh some of them it was a bull team competition deal so it was um Guys could pay entry fee for three bulls for entry fee and um, for a competition at th- their self using their bulls. So they, they would win money as well, depending based on the average of their three bulls. They'd have two long round bulls and then a short round bull. So you knew that you were drawing war. Cr- but yeah, I, I don't you, ever check the draw. You don't ever check. Because so it don't matter. That's where I was going with that is that you don't become like a – you don't get with your team and get video on the bull that you drew and break down what he does or what he might no, do? Because, no, because that song is just – You just take it as it comes. It, yeah, because he, he can do one thing a hundred times or see him do something. He might jump out there and spin to the left ten, ten times, but then that eleventh time that you get on him, he's going to jump out there and go right, and you done been studying on this bull – Trying to study him on going left, well, you they you done mentally programmed yourself to thinking that that bull is going left. Yeah, if he goes left, it's going to work out for you. But then if he goes right, then you just you got to instantly reprogram your thoughts right then, reaction, and then you go back to riding like on what you would normally do. Unless unless you done cheated yourself so bad on thinking he's going left that you hung off over there to the side and then he's going right and he done bucked you off. You're done. So the best thing to do it just riding for what he does and. Just ride him jump for jump and be a shadow and go where he goes. So you get to the arena with your wife and some friends in the rental car. You have no idea that you've pulled you've pulled War Cloud. You get to the arena with your you get to the dressing room and change now, or do you go to the hotel room and change? No, we, we just get ready there in the arena. You got headphones on with Chris Ledoux, Motley Crue going. Who no. do you listen? You don't fire get fired up with music. Well, somebody somebody always has a speaker with, with them in their gear bag. And whatever they're jamming. We're, what do you? What if you? If you're the DJ it's that Molly day? Crew, ACDC, some, Guns it's some Little Wayne. It's some. Listen to you, George Strait. It's cowboy. some Little Boosie. Uh, it's it's always it's something. I mean, it's 
I love Marty Robbins, but when I'm about to go to war, I want a little something in 160 acres to get my blood pumping. <laughs> <laughs> so you might you you are a cowboy, but you'll listen to a little Lil Wayne, six foot, seven foot, and you're getting ready to get on this bull. So they call you and say, "All right, you're on deck in ten no, minutes." Or no, how, that, how, does, how does this work when you're in like the arena? You, you know, they have it posted on a draw sheet on when you're out day a uh, day sheet, what section you're in, and so. A lot of times, I go out there, if one of my buddies is up at the first, I'll, I'll go out there and help them if I just want to watch that day. But a lot of times, they, they you know I'm there to do to do what I do and get in the zone. So I'm there. I'm there to be focused. And sometimes I won't come out till right, right as I know my bull is going to be loaded because they'll turn that sucker out if you ain't there getting on it ready. I mean, it, they don't care. They'll turn You're disqualified. it. disqualified. Yeah, disqualified and – so you get war cloud. Have you been on this bull before? Before this Cheyenne ride, have you have you ridden no, him yet? No. This is your first time. Have you heard about him at all? What color is he? No, he's just a gray Bramer boy, and he just he just won. He he just got lucky that day. So tell me what happens. Can you talk about this? Is it easy to talk about, or does it piss you off to talk about it? No, it's because the quotes are like this: Chase Outlaw broke every bone in his face except one chase outlaw almost broke every bone in his face chase outlaw is back after only 75 days of breaking every bone in his face the only thing that you can tell is maybe a little laziness under chase outlaw's left eye i've done i remember the day it happened i was watching there was a lot of things that online that you could see going on and then you had pictures of you in the hospital it was it was terrible it was something that I'm sitting there looking at my brother going, and I bet you this dumbass gets on that bull again after. And sure <laughs> enough, seven, not even three months later, you're back on another bull, and you're in the running for a world title. So take me through that day. You're you're on it, and you're you're in the shoot. You're on his on War Cloud's back. It's just another day at the office. What goes wrong? Um, should have had a little more. Should have had a little more bow in my chest. I reckon. I have. have I guess my powder got a little wet that day. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I really don't. That sungun just shot out. That sungun shot out at like a buck deer out of a freaking hog trap. Just shot out and then hit on all fours. And when he hit on all fours, he just threw his head up. And that momentum that I had going from him shooting out so fast and coming to a complete stop just went down. And the tip of his horn hit me right under my, right against the bridge of my nose on my left side and right under my eye socket and just whacked me real good. But um, didn't knock my hat off, didn't even knock me out. I got up and walked out of the arena and went to the sports medicine trailer. Didn't even realize it was hurt that bad. Just thought my nose was broke. Had a big old hole run across the top of my nose. And um, when I was breathing, I was breathing in, and the air was coming through the hole in my nose. wasn't even coming through my nostrils. And I tried to blow my nose, and when I did, it felt like my eyeballs were about to pop out of my head and that's when they got me on the ambulance, rushed me to the hospital and found out, did the x-ray and MRI. Had over, I know over 37 bones. Broke. Broke. Good night. And one doctor put me back together, plastic surgeon, that night there at Cheyenne. Thank God for him. Yeah. You ever talk to him anymore? Oh, yeah, I've been back, I've been back and seen him. Went back and seen him. And So how in the hell do you... And I know this is your livelihood, but how do you 
your wife's there watching this, first of all, which you hear, you talk to UFC fighters or people that go in. Wife, into, kids. You um, talk about, you talk to families that have husbands that do this or wives that battle like this. A lot of them don't even like sitting ringside and watching the fight take place. They get so nervous and so scared, you know. Your wife's watching this. How do you even fathom the thought that you're going to do it again? It's just the way you're wired, the way your mom and dad raised you, that you that you, at 26 years old, this happens, and you break over 30 bones in your face. Something really bad could have happened. It's happened before. It happened this year in yeah. Denver with, uh, yeah. Mason. with, with Mason. Not, now, you're, obviously, you're not afraid to die because you get back on a bull when you've been close to death. What? Why? What, what is it? What is it? It, it? it ain't the money. You just <clears> said <throat> you're living in a double wide. You don't give a shit. You don't care what kind of hotel or car you're um, in. What is it? Man, I love it so much. It's something I've done since I was a little kid. When I was, when I was five years old, I seen it on TV, and I said, "That," which I grew up on a farm. I mean, we had sheep, we had cows, horses, anything with four legs got rode, even the coffee table. So, um, I mean, it was just something that I wanted to do. And ever since, just when I was a little kid, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, I was going to ride bulls, and and it's. If I didn't ride bulls, I don't know what else I'd be doing. I, I really don't because it ain't. So what's the end game? What is the end game, Chase? Tell me, like, what the <clears throat> if you're if you just went through this injury with this surgery, what's the end game? Is it to make enough money to build a big house and have two thousand acres with a couple hundred head of cattle, your own stock line for rodeos? What, yeah, what's that, the end game? That and uh, to do something that I'm passionate about with to have to have have place paid for to have it to where I'm doing what I want to do every day. What I love to do, but still something I'm passionate about is having cattle, having something to do with cattle, duck hunting and the buck and bull industry, you know, and it's something that, and recently, uh, you know, here in Arkansas, I'm in some hemp, uh, operations. So that something else that, you know, that intrigues me that I've, had fallen that's going to eventually help all work in a flow with the livestock so so when you when you talk about your riding career is there it's gonna man, my, and maybe my bull riding career ain't what i was put on this earth to you know to do maybe it's it's to put me in a position that's gonna lead me like to do what to do what i hear because that's what i love since i was a little kid and it's gonna put me in another position for once that time once that fuse burns out it's gonna have me in another position that's really gonna excel what I'm, what the good Lord put me on this earth here to do. So, in that, and I get that. That makes total sense, and it's awesome. But the fact is, and it still remains, that you just said that your prime is from where you're at right now, age wise, for another at least five years to 32, 33. You could be riding these bulls for another five, six, seven years if you're averaging 160 a year. That was man. That was getting it though. That was getting it. Okay, let's say a hundred a year. Let's say you're going to ride seven hundred bulls by the time you're thirty five years old. That's a freaking big feat. I mean, you got to be crazy in the head to say that's how I'm going to make my living. I'm not accusing you of being crazy. Yeah, I'm just saying that with kids and a wife, you and you have all this other stuff going on. I just can't fathom the thought that it doesn't cross your mind of saying, you know what? I've been there. My adrenaline's been tested. I've been hurt as bad as you can get hurt. I've come close to getting really bad. And there's something that's more than the money or more than the end game that's drawn you in. If you, oh, that end game is because to be a world champion. 
that end game. That's what it's. That's that's the end game. That end, I thought you were talking about end game. No, no, after I was. I was, but okay. this, but this end game yeah. here. This is what I want to get to is that you're so competitive that this year you're in the running. I'm watching the point standings every week. I'm texting you going, get it, boy, get it, son, and old son and all those words that you use. And I'm like, get it tonight. And then you would text me a video of your ride, and then I would post it because I'm taking pride and ownership in these rides because I want you to win the title. Then all of a sudden, you're, you're, you know, you're right there in two or three. You're one for a lot of the season. Then here comes Lockwood, who won it two years ago. Last year it was a Brazilian, right? Who won it last year? Uh, it was – I can't remember. I can't it was remember. Jess, Kaiki, Jess. Jess. Was he so he's not Brazilian? No, Jess. No, he won, he won it this year. Jess Lockwood. He won it this year. He won this year and two years in three years ago also. He won, he won it in seventeen. And then who won it in eighteen? Kaiki. Kaiki. And then Pacheco. And then okay. And then and then Jesse won it again this year. Yes, sir. Is he your friend? Oh yeah, we're all friends. Yeah, You're all friends. Yeah, there's no there's no no animosity with the bull riders. No, no. That because I mean we ain't ain't putting he ain't putting his rope on me and I ain't putting my rope on him. I mean if. I mean, if we, if everybody, we're there to ride our bull. So that, I mean, if if he wins and I don't win, it's more likely he either had a better bull than me, or I bucked off and he rode. I mean, so usually, so if you if you ride, if y'all both ride your bulls, this all depends on luck of the jaw as well on that. So basically, we're not. No, it's not no animosity there. It's like over there, we're there because we know how dangerous that sport is, and you have to. You have to be there for one another to help out. When you're in that buck and shoot, you need all hands on deck. You need, you know, sometimes them something, and you got 1,700 pounds of, of beef leaning on your leg against a piece of sheet metal and two-inch pipe. So you need, I mean, it's good to have a set of boys there that help you get that bull off your leg and where you can slide up and get out on him. So, you know, it's uh, we're all there to help each other win, and, and when you see them other guys ride and make them great rides, that really, when you can see that, that really fires you up and that really makes you want to win. So, what makes you a good bull rider? The competition. And, I, and physically, what do you have? Is it upper body strength? Do you have really strong biceps? Is your core really strong? Can you can you cinch down with your quads and your legs really good? What do you do? You spur a lot better than the other guys because you have very good dexterity and muscle well, memory in your legs. What what makes you? What scientifically separates you and Lockwood away from guys that aren't consistent consistently in the top two or three, four or five bull riders in the world? This your 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 mind game. It's a mind game. It's mental. Because y'all are strong physically. Yes, sir. Are you guys all good fighters? Do you go to the bar after and put on the jukebox and start fighting everybody in there? Or are you guys all real sweet-loving people? No, we're all sweet-loving people, but sometimes there's always them ones that do come in there looking for it, and it's usually they always seem to find us. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> was, Is it true, and I, and I think I even heard it in the duck hunting community at one time, it was Shivers a brawler? He was a brawler. He right? was a brawler. He would he would strike more. He's a little man that strike more whoops him. But it, it, and they would it seemed like that like always somewhere the biggest guy would always try to come to him or this is what I've heard too would try to pick on him because he'd be the little one and he would be the first one to knock somebody out or to crawl up <laughs> crawl up him and put him in a chokehold. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, and it didn't. It's just like he'd be sitting there buying his business drinking and somebody would say something. He'd be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, yeah. not today. I heard that about him. I never been around yeah, him, but he, I heard he was tougher than he, hell. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's tougher in boot leather. That's for sure. I heard that. So, what is there? Is there that that 
that brotherhood that you saw in eight seconds. I know it's Hollywood, but you saw tough and you saw Jim Sharp, who was the poet. Then you got Lane in there and they're in a Cadillac or they're in the station wagon. I think Cadillac was a Chris Ledoux lyric. 10, four, buddy, come on back. Horse trailer on a Cadillac. That, that, that's what the daddy used to tell yeah. them boys on how to ride. Remember that song? I do. But anyway, is it like that? Is it going from, you know, you hear about Christmas, Cowboy Christmas, where they're going to all these rodeos in the PRCA in and December. That, and that's in, well, the Cowboy Christmas is really in July. It's in July. Okay, the you're four, right, you're right. Fourth okay. of July run. The Well, Cowboy Christmas is in uh, Las Vegas at the NFR, the Cowboy Christmas at the convention center, the big shopping deal. That's, they call that Cowboy Christmas. But the Cowboys Christmas is during the 4th of July run because there's so many rodeos going on during the 4th of July that Cowboys, uh, they can stand to win a, t- a pile of money. A pile of money. During that week. Okay, so that's what the So is it like that with you? I mean, you're married with three kids. So <clears throat> are you? did you have a time in your career, your rodeo career, your bull riding career, to where you were that guy traveling with some buddies in a station wagon from rodeo to rodeo and living the nightlife and getting too drunk after a performance and, and getting a headache and going back and putting Copenhagen in? You see that. That's the Absolute, cowboy way. Is it, is, did you live that at one time or do I you did, still ever? I did. I did live that way. But then that, that was a time where I was, you know, I was one of them guys that was on tour, you know, sort of. Right there, but then you know, at this level, the the athletes that were the animals that we're getting on, and the level of the competition that we're at, uh, if you wanted to be the best, and you you couldn't do that every weekend, do that no more. You couldn't. No. Yeah, because you don't want to go duck hunting hungover. I mean, you don't want to go do anything. Like, and I can't imagine having getting, that having a twelve have a matinee performance on yeah. Sunday, and you didn't get in from the hotel till four thirty. Do some guys do that? The guys that's are, oh yeah, we do it. We've done it. Yeah, really. It, it that that'll test your waters right there. Really, that's not smart <laughs> though, right? It's not smart. No, it's really not. But it's like that. That's where I'm going with that lifestyle. Is that if you don't experience that, it's almost not a rodeo career. And exactly. I, it's, 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 it's like I don't know, but like you're exactly right. You are exactly right. And if you don't, if you sit back and you're like, you know what? I'm glad I lived that. Lifestyle. I'm glad I experienced that, you know, a little bit because there'll be some guys that that never did. And that. Is your real name Outlaw? Yeah, that's a family name. How awesome is that? Because you would think that that's a gut. That's a not a birth name, yeah. but a, a nickname. Yeah, they thought. And when you look at you, you kind of have that that mentality and i'm not saying that you talk smack or anything but you almost when you hear that name and then you look at the way you ride you read up on who you are you have that no holds barred attitude to where when you look at lockwood he almost looks like almost like a more of a a good boy like a good mommy's boy and i'm not saying that he is because i know he's tougher than hell but he does not come across to me as somebody that's lived the cowboy life if you told me that he did you would surprise the hell out of me i know he just got married but that would surprise me to hear that jesse did live the cowboy life he's he's been out a few times (laughs) he's been out a few times but so you you agree with me though is that if you don't take it upon yourself you hit that one on it you nail that (laughs) you nailed that one too (laughs) I'm just saying what it, I think. Yeah. I don't know him. It, I'm just saying it, like what because back when I started watching rodeo, it was Ty Murray. It was tough. It was Jim, and it was that lifestyle. It was the the. It didn't matter if you were on the strip in Vegas. It didn't matter if you were in Cheyenne. It didn't matter if you were in Boise. 
it didn't matter if you were at the Roundup in Pendleton. You were going out, you're drinking beer, you're living that life, you're listening to music, you're dancing with the cutest girls in the bar. And to me, if I'm a cowboy, if I'm Chase Outlaw, I will never go to my grave without living that lifestyle. Because to me, that's the American cowboy, the John Wayne, the the you know the saloon. It's all the swinging doors. Here comes Chase Outlaw, pushes the doors open, and- get, put me on any bull and I'll whip its ass, put me on any dance floor and you're going to see me cut a rug, put me at the bar and I'll drink you under the table. Boom, and, it's like that's the it's, lifestyle. And it's just the stories, uh, just being around your buddies and the, the people that share that same lifestyle with you because, yeah, we'll we'll go on and after this rodeo career is over and we'll go on with our families. And, you know, you don't want to be it to that. And then once you settle down, you don't want to be like, you can't, once you retire, get to your older age, where you know, kids get out, then go on to the party trail. No, you get that out of your way while you're young like we have. And then, when you get done, you're like, man, I'm glad glad I experienced that, and because I mean, you sort of need to. So that, that that need is through this fraternity, right? It's almost a fraternity to where you guys would die for each other, even though you're trying to beat each other with eight seconds every night. You would die for each other in a fight. Y'all are going to take up for each other. Y'all are going to hang yeah, out. Y'all are that's, brothers. That's what you're going to miss when it's all said and done. When it's done, is uh, being in that locker room with your boys or. Being there with them after the bar closing, and just sitting there and still telling re-ride stories and talking to them and sharing the experience with your boys. I mean, that's that's really the that's really the feeling. That's really the feeling, and the the things that you're gonna miss is is being there, being there with them, being in that locker room. Because once you retire, I mean, it won't be the same. So then you've know? lived a modern day Lane Frost, though. So if it's that intricate, if it's that brotherly, if it's that loving, how does something like Mason affect you? When, 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 when Lane died, he was, he had a girl, he had a wife, he had friends, he had loved ones. It, it, Mason it, was married. Mason had you. Mason had Jesse. Mason, Jesse helped a guy get off the floor the other night in Reno or somewhere where he was. Maybe it was in Madison Square Garden, New York. I don't remember, but what, how does that affect you as a man when, when this happens and Mason doesn't make it out of the arena that night? It, um, it really put thing, put some things in perspective, uh, when you stare, when you stare, stare it in the eye and, uh, it was, uh, it was just the hardest thing in the world to, to have to do and, you know, to not tell his wife and, you know, especially his dad, you know, uh, that was, that's something, you know, I hated is part of it. We knew that that was that was a possibility that that could happen, you know. But and we all seen the movie Eight Seconds, but you know we never until you actually experience it and look at now you really you get a whole new respect for it. And and I did, um, I did get a whole whole new respect for it after that. After you know staring that in the eye and having to go through that, and I just that's something that I'd hope. Does it motivate um, you to get to ride it, for him the next it, time? It, well, it did, and and to show that this ain't whitening, you know, that, that it could happen. And so, yeah, you have to don't want that ever. My dad to have to experience that, or my wife to have to experience that. So, this is what I love to do, and I, I can't let something like that just automatically scare you and make you quit something you love because we knew as a possibility. I mean, once it happens, you can't just turn and run. I mean, so that really put things in perspective on showing that this is serious, you know, so don't take advantage of it and, you know, make it happen and do what you love doing. Because, you, like you said, that party and lifestyle sort of get away from you. If it wasn't them saying something like that, like really 
makes you makes yeah. you really look at the full and, the big picture of who you're doing yes, this for. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. And what you're living for every day because and to me that is the ultimate. I mean, this this you know, he's a top cowboy. He's riding at the PBR. He's he's living that cowboy life and all of a sudden, you know, his wife and dad have to be notified of this. It's almost to where I often ask myself, does the show always have to go on right away? It was almost like there's no slowdown. It's like, hey, everybody get to the next town. It's time to ride again. And I'm looking at it like, man, why isn't there a slowdown? Why isn't there more of a break? And I don't know if there should be. I know that it's a business and that every that is a possibility, like you mentioned before. But it's almost like, hey, isn't shouldn't there be a little bit more of a slowdown and a break in the action after this just happened? But again, y'all know going into every ride that that's a possibility. Where if you look at anything in life, you go on a duck hunt every day like we do. It's a possibility. Mistakes. But we're not getting on a bull and we're not 150 pounds going around with that centrifugal force and the G-force and everything that you're talking about. You're putting yourself in harm's way on purpose. And you're prepared for it. You train for it. You're in unbelievable physical shape. You're tougher than hell. You're stronger now mentally and physically. But it just seems to me like there should be a little bit more break or slowdown. And I might be wrong, but it's the show goes on, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it must go on because it goes either way. You've, like the guys that say the next night at the board, you put a break on. That's just something else longer for you have to think about. But, you know, it's a horrible horrible circumstances for that when it does happen and um um yeah like say the show must go on and you know it's just how it, often does it cross your mind how often does he cross your mind how often does does it is it every, constant every day is it constant yeah it saddens your heart every day yeah he and, was a uh, true friend he was and um just like i said before and we knew there's a possibility of getting into it and, uh, so what happens the, in the next 20 days for you after this? Is this when you hit the 94.75? You had it, some big rides it was, um, coming right up after that. It, was, he, since, was, he, was he on your side? Was he watching over you then? Uh, well, I believe that. And, you know, everybody that – you think about that with everybody that passed. But, yeah, whenever uh, – especially one of your buddies that passed doing this, what he loved, yeah, absolutely, you have to think that – you know, that he'd still be there, that he's still there riding with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and a, a lot of things with this, if the power of prayer, man, if you wouldn't be able to pray and have the good Lord to help calm your nerves and tell you words of wisdom, you know, to, you would never be able to crawl out of a dark place. And, you know, that every bull rider went to that dark place when the ones that went and witnessed it that night and that was there and stared it in the eyes and, as he passed so uh that the power of prayer is is makes the world the world a difference and that's what that's the best the best year of best year of my career was this year after that because it put a lot of things in perspective give me an example i understand kids i understand wife and why you're doing this but you don't just say, okay, I know that I'm writing for a different reason now and then stick a 94.75 to where you literally have the announcers saying it's the best ride that they've seen <clears throat> and all this. I mean, you were on a different level of riding there all the way up until a week out or so. What what did you put into perspective to start getting those results? That second and third and fourth effort is what's, uh, with anything, uh, is what keeps you alive. So 
that's basically about what it. So you just knew that if you didn't 100% focus on the first, but now the second, the third, the fourth, everything a bit about your effort on each ride, you started to put more analogy or more focus on each ride. Each ride individualized as cause you can't ride the next, this one before you ride this one. So you have to, you know, embody that one at the moment and take it for what it's worth. And everything is worth at that point. And then take that on to the next one. Once you, once you conquer that one or, or say you get bucked off, you have to pick yourself up and go on to that next one and still be a warrior, whether you win, lose, or draw. I mean, you still have to take that on to the next one and just really one at a time. And that's what the perspective you got out of Mason was, this life is too special to take it for granted. I'm going to break down each day, not just my rides, but my days, because when you start to get in this, this psyche – that the world championship is the end game. You know, I got to, you know, I am one of the best in the world. It's very easy to overlook a lot of important things in life on your way to that stardom, that celebrity, that money, that paycheck, that buckle, that world championship. It takes somebody way stronger to sit there and go, Hey, I need to slow down, pump the brakes a minute and start looking at life a little bit different. And I don't know. It was like, I just watched something come over you to where you like were clear headed there. And like there, something was different about the rides. I don't know if you just reapplied yourself or if there was somebody talking to you, but it seemed to me like you refocused and were, were landing rides that were making people talk and had you the favorite to win the world title. And that's what I got out of it is that something happened on that night that that really cleared your head in a way. I don't know if I'm all, if I'm right or wrong about that, but it seemed to me watching you ride that that something that something really changed with that. You, you are right as well, but yet I I I hadn't been able to put that in really wor- into words myself. So you you are right on the on that, but I hadn't been able to put it into words. No, myself. and it makes sense. Yeah. How could you? I mean, he was a good friend, but I just I I I know you a little bit and i couldn't imagine you know you getting hurt the way you did that night on war cloud or you know god forbid something worse and i don't i i don't want to put a black eye on what bull riding is and what being a cowboy is but when you have a lifestyle like that i've always envied it i've always looked at it like man i would love to try that everybody wants to ride a bull everybody wants to fly in an f-14 or an f-16 fighter jet but being on a bull is like the most American, hard, <laughs> badass thing that you could do. I, and I just, uh, to me, it's just, it's such a, it's such a, a, a blessing to be good at it. Exactly. And to make a living at it. And I think that's, that that's probably what you're putting <clears throat> into perspective is that there's no entitlement in this. It could be taken away just, today. Just like that. And uh, even with one of these injuries, I mean, I've sustained four shoulder surgeries now and, in the face, you know, at any point in time, it's it's just absolutely testing. You know, it could any point in time, it could be over just like that. But you know, I'm don't put that into perspective. It could be over just like that. So I, I'm doing a little bit more to take pride in it and and uh, be a world champion because it could be over tomorrow and. So how, when you say it could be over tomorrow, Chase, how hard is it for you right now in the position you're in right now to know that Madison Square Garden just happened, mm. Reno just happened, Jesse gets high bull in Reno one night, I think he won New York, didn't he? 
Yeah, and Denver's going on right now. And Denver's going on. And Denver's an awesome rodeo state. I mean, the yeah. Denver Livestock Show and the PRCA, PRCA is one of the biggest rodeos in America. I don't even know what they are anymore. It was Cheyenne at one time with Houston, Denver, Reno, and uh, Calgary Stampede was big. There's yeah, a lot of big rodeos. One. But how? what does it do to your um, an athlete like you to know that you – are in that brace right now and you can't be out and it could happen to anybody. It, Jesse was out last year for a long yeah. time. Yeah, it could. Uh, I mean, that's just, we all know that's a possibility. I mean, that's, so that's part of it, but it, it don't do nothing but fuel your fire. You can either let it wear on you and weigh on you and you can get sad and feel sorry for yourself or you can pick yourself up. You can make it go on and get ready for that next one. Whenever you know you are going to ride and that, this is, occupational hazard i mean it's part of it so um <laughs> there's a lot of occupational hazards <laughs> in your line of work so i mean just you have to take it for what it's worth and uh, just know that you as long as you don't consider yourself out the fight then you're not out the fight but the minute you consider yourself out the fight you might as well not try to enter in yourself again because uh it ain't gonna work for you have your sponsors always understood that you're in the fight even when you're out of it like you are right now you can't ride yeah, yeah right. and, when you got your face, re, and I've always up. come back stronger than ever with after energy after an injury. So that's um, they've shown a lot of faith with me. My sponsors have shown tons of faith, and you know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for them. You know I got Monster Energy, Yeti Yeti Coolers, Wrangler, Western WSM Auctioneers, Four Bears Casino, Can Am Off Road. Um, 100x helmets so i mean without them guys i wouldn't be where i am and i mean obviously they knew the knew how dangerous it was getting in the line of work you know sponsorable writer so um they seen how i have have come back and handled adversity so i'm just um i think it's really cool that you hear extreme sports and you hear monster rock star red bull a lot of those extreme sports are motocross which are considered some of the best athletes in the world the way that their heart rate gets up their 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 arm strength core strength i mean they're racing at like 170 beats per minute at a heart rate for 30 minutes or 30 laps or whatever great athletes they're put in a position of wrecking. They got a lot of shit. But that's those were considered the extreme sports, the snowboarding, the skateboarding, all that stuff. And now when you watch bull riding, it's like 100% of bull riders have that green M. Some of them have Rockstar. I don't know if Red Bull's in the game. but uh, it, no, it, no, I don't believe Red Bull's But you guys, uh, Monster and, and Rockstar, but mainly Monster. Monster it, is the uh, title sponsor of now. PBR. Of PBR wow. now. It was Ford for the past so many years, and sometimes I don't know, but... Now Monster is the title sponsor of the PBR. Is, so is, it, is, the, it, is it the most extreme sport in the world? Be honest. I know uh, you're. I know you're a humbled individual, but humble individual. But is I ain't it, never jumped out of a helicopter or out of a helicopter on a mountain with a snowboard, or jumped out of an airplane parachute, or you know jumped out off a mountain with a windsuit, or I've never climbed up a mountain. Let's get one thing straight. Those windsuits are just stupid. <laughs> that's not even that's not even cool well, um those things are just nuts those flight suits or whatever they are they uh, you wouldn't do oh, that oh boy that, that climbed uh el capitan uh free soloed crazy free uh, like solo, like, like i mean you can't and then guys that do triple backflips uh like travis pastrana i mean you can't you, you it's kind of hard to pinpoint and say what is the most extreme because i wouldn't do what they do and you know the, travis it, might do what you do travis but, might you know they'd say 
but they they wouldn't do it as much. They're like it's no. insistent. That's you know, the they, they might try. It. That's, like, that's like, the we difference. We might try, but you know, it's, it's something that you know we both we all respect. We're all extreme, and we all respect each other for what they do. And it's just. I don't want to go off and say it's the most extreme, but it's pretty freaking dangerous. I know it's it's one of the only it's one of the only sports that you can buy a ticket to, and you're gonna pay for the whole seat, but only use the edge. <laughs> <laughs> it is too. It's an amazing it, when what the PBR did when they took the whole rodeo. You got a two three hour performance and nothing but bulls, right? You you don't have to you don't, and I'm not saying that calf roping and steer wrestling and all that isn't awesome. Barrel racing, those girls are flying on those horses. But They're studs. But the now reason, this is just straight bull riding. The reason they put the bull riding at the end of the rodeo is because that's what people sit is there to make and wait. everybody but wait and watch because that's what people come for is to watch the, the bull the riding. Fireworks, man. It's true. It, uh, it's yeah. what they wanted to see. Even though there's a lot, Fred Whitfield was a talented son of a bitch. Every 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 like everybody wants to go to a NASCAR race. Everybody, for the final lap. Everybody's expecting for a wreck, but nobody hopes for really hopes for a wreck, but they know one's going to happen. Yep. So that's, I mean, it's just like you bull riding. It's, there's going to be a wreck in that arena yeah. that night. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, people are coming. I mean, they know it's going to happen. They hope it don't happen, but they know more than likely, like you said, a 137-pound man getting on an average 1,700-pound animal. Stupid. So Crazy. Man. So how important is Flint Rasmussen in bullfight? Is he considered a bullfighter? No, by no means. I would not. No. I would not trust that man. If there was a bull in between me, <laughs> if Flint Rasmussen was in between me and a bull and my wife, if it was between my wife and Flint Rasmussen to protect me from that bull, I'm going to put my money on my wife. He's just a comedian? He, he's, but, he's awesome, isn't he? He might, he? he might save me with a good hat throw. He can throw his hat pretty good. Yeah. But, no, he is. He's just... Uh, he keeps the crowd going. He's um, he is a comedian. He, um, he he's an athlete on his own. I mean, he's on his feet that whole two hour performance, dancing, never stopping. I mean, he's he's on and he's almost sixty years old. Flint Rasmussen, sixty. Yeah, damn near. No way. Yeah. He used to be PRCA for a long time, right? Yeah, and he was a, a school teacher before that. Is he from Oregon? Uh, Shoto, Wyoming. Wyoming. Montana. Montana. Shoto, Montana. How important are the bullfighters? Uh, they are, with, I mean, without them, and like what I was saying, these, anim, these animal athletes are so big and so mean. They're, I mean, they're wired to the T, and they're hot-blooded. I and mean, without them bullfighters, I doubt. I mean, I wouldn't be getting out there, getting on there, just hoping for myself to get away from that bull. So they are, they are the lifeline and the longevity of us because they keep them bulls off of us and they're actually wilder than what we are because we have to just be on ride one a night they got to stand in front of 50 50 yeah so them guys they really don't get the praising and the and the you know and the acknowledgement that they need so take me through this real quick this is a ride of yours that oh big black okay that's big black right Yep. That was in Fairfax. Virginia. Um, that was in Hold Fairfax. on. What? <clears throat> this is this is a 90, what did this score? 94.75? No, that was 91. This is a 91. 91. Wait, I, I want to see this ride real quick. I just want to make sure I see, um, what's this one? Oh, this is it. This is uh, Cheyenne this year. 
on Rising Sun. This is 91 and three quarters. I was 93 just a little earlier that day on the bull that I was 94 and three quarter on. Moving into round number five, look at that stadium go nuts for you. I think they love the fact that you Rocky Bell. I mean, you get into it like big time it's, uh, when you when you ride the bull when you get a eight seconds. I want to find the one. Though. I'm definitely fired up, and it's definitely a feat. I mean, I'm definitely excited. That's for sure. I'm looking at um, one more real quick. Where is the one that you sent me last? I thought you sent me the ninety four seven five. You did for sure. Is this it? Oh, that no, that squirrel. I was ninety on that one too. I got it right here. That was squirrel. So th- we just talked about three that rides Sacram- that were all ninety. That was in Sacramento, California. Yeah. This ride is freaking amazing. Okay, so this is biscuit eater. No, no. that was smooth wreck. <laughs> smooth wreck. I actually clicked the wrong thing, and uh, so this is. This is smooth wreck. Oh, Look oh. at how high that bull's back legs are getting. See, he's, he's kicking through it. He's not kicking at his belly. That bull is kicking through it. So that's what them judges look for. So that's how I got such a high score. He is kicking high and kicking out and kicking through it. Um, they scored him um, a 48 on a 40, 48, 49 on a 48 on one side. And uh, one judge had me to be 98 points. 98 points. 98 points. Is, would that have been the highest ride of the season? That would have been the highest scored ride in PBR history. Really? Yeah. 98. What is what is the historic? 96 and a half. And you were 94.75 that night. What's your highest ever? Was that it? 94 and three quarter. And at Cheyenne, I was 93 and a half on that same bull just a few months later. Or just the next month, actually. So do you think that you have a chance to win the world title in 2020 being in a sling in, in mid-January 2020? Um, maybe not win the world title unless just the way the point system is. I, I'll be able to come in, win the, make the world finals, win the world finals, and then you could probably finish in top seven, top eight. But uh, 2021, every, every 2021, I'm just, I know it. I know that that's going to be it, that I'm dominating and, for sure going to have my name on that gold title, on that world title gold buckle. I want to be able to, yeah, I want to be there for it. I think it would be so with how, just everything that you've endured with the, I, I can't imagine, you know, reading the articles on the wreck and especially when it happened. Well, and what you're saying, what I've come back from when I was 93 and a half, that was at Cheyenne the very next year. at Same place that you got beat same up Same place at. I got heard at come back and i won that event the next year which is a feat in itself yeah and it's it's one of the it's only one of four pbr major events that they have and it was one of them so what is your inspiration besides your family do you look to the the history of bull riding do you have heroes absolutely um who are they chris shivers jim sharp ty justin mcbride justin mcbride ross coleman i mean them guys, they really – I mean, that's what I watched growing up. But, um, yeah, them are my idols. I got lost on that. What How dominating that? is Ty Murray to win? How Was he, he seven-time all-around cowboy? Nine-time. Nine nine-time all-around cowboy. But what did, he, what did he do beside Bulls? Saddle bronc and bareback. So at all the, three. At the NFR, he'd make the NFR on all three. He'd get on – 
he'd get on three head a night for 10 days in a row. He'd get on 30. He'd get on 10 bulls, 10 bareback, and 10 saddle bronc in 10 uh, a day. In 10 days. Yeah, 10 days. 10 in days. In a row. So that'd, that'd be 30 animals that he'd tie himself to in 10 days. Crazy. I mean, that's. Do you talk to him? Oh, yeah. I, I see him every every weekend when I'm at the PBR and whatnot. So but that's that's just unbelievable, you know, what the human body can do. I mean, if you and what the human mind can, you know, potentially build you up to do. I mean, so getting on thirty thirty animal athletes in ten days, that's doing something. Amazing. What what do you think he would have done if the PBR was around back then? Well, he 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 was one of the guys. He was with the PBR when it first came on. He was. Was he yeah, one of the so, owners? Yeah, he um he was one of the founders. He was. Yeah. Is we, he still on, in the yeah? In the founder? Oh yeah. Well, PBR is owned by Endeavor, and um, they got bought out, made some money on the deal. That yeah yeah. They but he's still but one they of the still, main announcers. They, st- they still they still got a hand in it. They do. Yes, but so. Tough doesn't. Tough started his own now, right? He, tough he yeah. tour or something. I don't know how it's doing, but um, I have no idea. But it seems to me that the place to be for the money in the buckle is the PBR. Yeah, if you if can you be a PRCA cowboy and a PBR bull rider at the same you're time? You're really gonna stay going. Dalen Swearinger, he um, he actually just won Chicago this weekend. He's from um, New York, but it, he made the World Finals last year, and he did. He's actually broke history since he was the first guy to, as a rookie. To make the NFR PBR World Finals, he won Canadian uh, PBR title, and what other finals did he win? But he made all. He made the. He won the Canadian finals and the year end for that PBR title. He made the NFR and the PBR World Finals all in the same year, and that never been done before. He made the P, the NFR uh, in bull riding. Yes, sir. So when you start talking about and the all-around cowboys that have wanted a lot, Joe Beaver wanted a lot, quiet. But was he just doing it as a roper to win the all-around that many times? Ty Murray was actually an all-around cowboy. Well, this year uh, Stetson Wright he Stetson won Wright, he yeah. won the all-around title, and that's the first one in twenty-four years since since Ty's won it to do to to a rough stock rider to win the all-around. And, and did, did he ride all three? No, he just rode uh, Saddle Bronc and Bulls. Saddle Bronc and Bulls. But he's tied himself to two a night. No, he didn't make the NFR in the bull, in the Saddle Bronc ride. No. Just I Bulls. I don't think. Maybe so he won the I he won I the count one of them right guys out. Them right, that right family is, it, they're unbelievable. So it's three brothers, right? It was three brothers that had three, that all had a kid. There's a, there's a ton of them. I, man, there's like nine of them. Did there. you know the Mendezes at all? They're from my hometown. They Tony? A, yeah, Tony Mendez. He, he was our, we used to buy our hay from his family all the time. I know Tony Mendez. He, dang right. Yeah, I know yeah, Tony. He, he, his he family, was, mine, we, we were buddies with all of them growing up. He was uh, he's a different cat. Oh, yeah, you think? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We don't need to talk about how different he was. But he he had a, he had made the NFR. He made yeah, the, he made the NFR, PBO Finals. He was a, a bull riding sucker. Like, why well, I would say different, like he – he embraced he embraced that lifestyle. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> I know this. He was he was all about it. He he would uh, his family had a hay operation growing up. We used to buy all of our hay for the animals from his family. They lived in North Reno for a lot of years. Their fa- his mom and dad are still there. 
But yeah, that's a small world. So what do you what do you think that you're going? Yeah, he's in Colorado now. I think. Yeah, his his he's in Springs, I believe, south of Denver. He um, where do you go with rehab after an injury like this to get ready for the Bulls? Are you are you six months out with this this much of a surgery as far yes, as sir. six more months? Yeah, about five, about five months. So you won't ride a bull until midsummer. Yeah, yes, sir. About about June. June, are, are you ready for it? Are you going to be ready for it? Just oh, like I mentally? will be ready. Mentally, you're going to be right fired now, up. I'm ready right now, mentally, but physically, no, I'm not ready. But by the time June rolls around, I'll be more than mentally ready, and um, I'll be raring to go and can't go for raring. <laughs> so who who um, are you out? Who are you watching right now? Who's your money on right now that you've seen so far? It's hard to ever count Jesse out. <clears throat> yeah, I mean you got to do. You know he's going to win, but I mean. I, I've been I'm pulling from everybody everybody really uh, but Gage Gay Matt Triplett um, man, I'm, I'm really I, I, ain't, I don't want nobody not to win but that's I'm really been expecting Triplett to been waiting on him to crack out and win one and um, Gage too because they both need it and is is Lockwood just a competitor to where he's tough to beat mentally? He just is all he's on his A game every night. I mean, most of you have to be, but what you you told me what you had mentally and physically. What does he have? Is he built a little bit taller than you guys to where he's got a little bit more control of the bull, or what? What, what separates he's him? He's my size. Is he really? Yeah, he's. We're all about the same size. We're all about the same size. He's my size, and um, but. Is it just he gets better bulls? Uh, he might weigh about a hundred and fifteen. He might. He might. He, that's young and he's tiny. Tiny. Yeah. Hundred and fifteen pounds. <laughs> I guarantee him or Jose Vitor, uh, Jose Vitor Lemmy. I bet you they ain't nothing over a hundred and twenty-eight. Wow, that blows my mind. And he's married to a world that won, his wife won the world bull uh, barrel racing, right? Yeah, Haley Kinsel. Is that her first world title? Place second. She a sweetheart. Do you know her very well? I I know if I say, "Hey, Miss Kaylee, how are you? Haley, how are you?" But uh, not as as far as like as we all like all of us know, like some other buddies' wives. Like I know them, whatnot. But not as far as no, she. I, I met her through Jess, so I have to say I yeah. I never known her. What part of Arkansas her. are you from? Hamburg, Arkansas. You were born and raised there. Family farm. Just went to high school there. Yes, sir. Just straight south of us. And where did you get your inspiration for the rodeo life? Was there anybody in your family, or did you just see it on TV? Like My dad said? rode bulls a little bit. He did, but nothing professionally. I mean, he just did it for fun. And then when he had my sister came, he didn't do it no more, and he got a job. But we was always cowboys. We choke wagon race. We I mean, we always had something there, something there to ride. We you went to high school in Hamburg. Uh, no, I went to high school in Atkins, Atkins, Arkansas. Yeah. And then you went and straight Hector. straight into being a professional cowboy. Yes, sir. No college. No. So you just said, "Screw it, I'm getting in my truck and going to a rodeo." Were you an amateur for a while? No, as soon as I got, soon I was riding a CBR, which was Tufts. Uh, At one time, league, yeah. league when I was still in high school, and then as soon as I graduated high school. I went to the PBR and made my first World Finals when I was 18 years old. 
And 18, you won the world finals. And how many have you made since? This will be nine this year. Every year you made it? Since I was 18. That's crazy. Are you considered one of the best in the world right now? By your peers and by the judges and by the critics? Or are you looked at as somebody that's just now hitting his flow? Or what What do they say about you? I'd have to say that, well, just hitting my flow, but I, it, really both. Just hitting my flow and the best in the world. So growing up in Arkansas, though, when you're on the rodeo trail, is it is is there any other things that you that you you've mentioned duck hunting before? You're all about guns, shooting, living off the land, duck hunting. You love it, and you you did you hear? Have you ever heard about this place we're at right now? Yes, I've heard about this place. Um, oh, I mean, this is if you duck hunting, live in Arkansas, you've heard of this place, and um, to be here is just such an honor to be here today, and. But um, no, to about other other thing that gets my blood pumping and blood flowing, other than rank bulls slinging horns, you know, bucking is uh, orange feet and yellow beaks, and that's really just really being in the duck hole with your boys is just like being in the locker room with your boys at the bull riding, and it's the exact same atmosphere. It's it's really that's that's really what I love about duck hunting is. Being out, being out in Mother Nature with great, great friends, great guys, and just having the time of your life, just nothing out there to tell you no. I mean, you're just having, just being one with nature and with one with your boys and having a great, great time, and that's what I love about duck hunting right there. Uh, me too. Yeah. I, getting them is cool. Yeah. But everything you I, just I've described. had some of the, I've had more, I've had the more best hunts and only killed one, and so now I've not even killed one and had some of the best hunts I ever had just from the people that was in the hole with me and the stories that we shared. I agree 100%. Yeah. It's just a cool place. People that don't get it or never experience, they just, you just, you can't explain it. You're standing out in the water. It's it's five in the morning. You got waders on. What are you standing in the water for? You're not cold? (laughs) You're not cold, yeah. They they don't get it. They don't, in Um, this place here, I try to explain to you, like, I, I'm I'm so honored to be that Brandon and Brian and, and Ross and Joel let us come here. But this place is like you you've probably have heard some things about prairie wings. Like this is right up against probably it's the <clears throat> the private Biomita. You know, it's like yeah. it's 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 a uh, I don't know if I said that right. Did I say that right, Biomita? Yeah, by bi, yeah Biomita. Biomita. It's right across the ditch. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's known nationwide as being. Public. It, it's the best duck hunting in the freaking nation, yeah. if not the world. Yeah, for public duck hunting, you can't get better. Yeah, you than can't it. you can't get any better. And um, just so, so in the state of America today, when you see the people that that stand up against what we love to do, in, in the guns and the shooting and the politics and all of it, does it ever does it ever make you think how lucky we are and how blessed we are to have what we have? As far as like, hey, we we need to do our best to get new people involved in this. We need to protect this. That's what my whole deal is, is like, there's, it's easy just to do it, but there's also ways you can get involved. And I think that you have that ability with the, the voice and the platform that you have to, to be one of those guys and say, Hey man, living off the land is cool. Yeah. Living, I, eating wild game is cool. Absolutely. And, uh, 
you know, it's the people that try to shut it down that's never done it before. Exactly. They've never, they've never experienced this. And, you know, and I was raised in Old Country Boy, and if they say all this does shut down, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't go to Walmart anymore. I mean, you, so it's something that something that my granddad taught my dad, and it's something that my dad taught me. I mean, I I remember when I was about six years old, six seven years old, duck hunting. We'd saddle the horses and had the horses, and we'd go and we'd ride the horses into the hole. And I I would be six years old, and we'd ride into the um, the refuge where we was hunting. At this particular time, was uh, cut off. Down there, and oh, I know it, Cutoff Creek. Yeah, it's got uh, them handicap holes in it, and I remember, I vividly remember us riding off in there on the horses, and my dad setting setting me off on the handicap pads there for me to hunt, and I, I mean that that's something like that that'll. You got pictures of your you and your family and your daddy with ducks on a horse. Ah uh, man, we probably How cool. That we be? probably got that somewhere. That is the coolest but, sight. But I do. I, I remember that vividly and that's you know that's something things like that stick out to me and you know it, being able to live off this live off the land and i mean that's something that i'm looking forward to pass down and passing down to my kids and and yeah it's the greatest lifestyle there is dude and especially I, riding bulls hunting ducks being with your family and to live where i live in the in the state of arkansas man it's it's, I mean, we you got everything you want. I mean, to if you're a country boy and uh, to love the passion of outdoors, I mean, not there's no better place, no no other place I'd rather live than where I live, and that's Arkansas. Right. What about that deer steak you're getting ready to have tonight, Mister Billy? <laughs> I hear, I smell it lingering in down the hallway. Oh, I do too. It's crazy how good it is. Wait till you put some of this in your mouth. I'm telling you, like different level. I think I can make good deer steak. My daddy made good deer steak. This chase, I'm telling you, is on a different make level. Make you call somebody and tell them, hey. Yeah, you all need to get over here and hey, try yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, telling you, then tomorrow you eat a little bit for breakfast. Are you want you going to go out in the woods with us tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know if I have a waiter that'll fit you. What size are you? It don't matter, huh? You don't need <laughs> one that fits, do you? I mean, what is it about shin deep water out there? No, it's a little deeper, uh, but not much. But it's a nice boat ride. It's a real good boat ride. So 2020, you're not going to be in the running for the world championship unless something really miraculous happens. If you don't unless, start until you know, June. Unless, say, if there's not one guy or two guys that does all the winning in the first half of the year, say there's six guys, say there's a different guy winning every weekend where it's six, seven guys spread out of that getting all them points up. And then I come in at the first, second half of the year. I'm fresh. I'm hot, which I've always have been. Setting back, these guys, they've done been, they got a year, half a year of getting on bulls. So I'm coming in fresh. J.B. Mooney did it when he won his uh, first world title. Come in and win every, every event in that second half. And then win the world finals. You world champ right there. And, so you and, only, and only came half the events. So, but if one of them guys, say if one guy gets all them points and then come in, I could still win every event and do it, but that one guy just got so many and he finished that second, third, and fourth throughout. But if it's spread out between a group of guys to where all them points go to, say, eight guys instead of two, 
You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, so, I get it, 100%. So, um, the more spread out it is, the better chance you have to make that up because nobody's got If I do my the, job. If you do your job. So it, it'll be all up to – still be up to me whether – if I make the finals or not, I still got to do my job. How much of a stud is J.B. Mooney? I mean, he's freaking he, – Is he the greatest bull rider of all time? He, he's a goat for sure. Is he? Yeah. Um, yes. He still just wears a hat, huh? Yes, yeah. He's he's is showing he taller up. than you? He's about six. He seems like he's way he, taller. He's six foot. He's six he's six foot. Probably hundred and thirty. <laughs> six foot <laughs> Still, I can't imagine. But he's a stud, huh? Yes, absolutely. And you know, looking at him you would look you'd say, Oh, he couldn't whoop his way out of a wet paper sack, but you know what he's he is a cowboy and he's got that mental he's got that mental toughness and that he just it's all mental. If you don't believe you can, then you might as well not do it. And he, I mean, that's, it's, it's not your strength and your physical appearance. It's about, it's about what's, what's between your ears. Are you a fan of Cody Johnson? Yeah, I like him. Was he a bull rider? Was he a rodeo guy? I think he got on him, he got on him a couple of them. He did? Yeah, he got on a couple of them, I believe, down there. Because he's from around Fort Worth. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say, I don't think he ever, he might not. I don't. I don't know if he did, but I'm pretty sure just from watching his Instagram and going through and hearing him talk that he has nodded his head on a on on a bull before. I believe. Really. But yeah, I love it. I think that that lifestyle of just the American cowboy, like we talked about. I'm a big fan of the movie Eight Seconds, but I'm also a big fan of the rodeo circuit and what it does and what it means to America and the cowboy way and getting western and. And understanding the land and how to mend a fence or saddle a horse, ride a horse, how to live off the land, how to ranch, how to farm. You know, you're living that lifestyle. It's not something that, you know, you're just a prima donna about. And I think that that's what is neat about the American tradition of rodeo is that if it gets a bad rap for animal cruelty, those people have no idea how good these animals have it. They're living on a different set of luxury, right? And it's probably the people that's over there complaining about the animal cruelty probably got a leather pair of shoes on. Yeah, they got a leather <laughs> pair of shoes and a, and a nice little fur jacket. But I don't know. I just think that that whole lifestyle is so badass. And it's you're a Louis Lamar novel, a Jerry Jeff Walker rodeo song, and, 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 and just everything about rodeo. When you're in the arena... Even like Thomas and Mac, I wish sometimes was outdoors. I love outdoor arenas. I love being outdoor at a rodeo. I just think Rodeo America is cooler than that. Shit. That's what that's what sets that Calgary Stampede and Cheyenne, Cheyenne apart. In Reno, it's just outdoor, yeah, big, yeah. big, big outdoor just, arenas that are awesome. It's a different atmosphere, and if you never experienced it, you might want to you might want to plan your next vacation to a big outdoor outdoor rodeo. I'm gonna try something real quick. Just to, my buddy's number one in the number one in South Dakota and North Dakota right now on bulls. His name's Tucker Mertens. I got some I got some rides of him. But will you say hi to him? Yeah. If he answers, I don't know if he will or not. But I'm going to see. Where's he from? He's from North Dakota, and he's ranked number one in we're North and North, South. Uh, we're at North Dakota. I'm going to find out. Maybe he's from South Dakota. Let me find out. He's from. Uh, we know the same people. Well, we'll find out right now. He's from. Uh, You know where, uh, just south of Fargo, across the border. I'm trying to think of the town right now. Hello. Mindy, this is Chad. Can you hear me? I can. Are you with Tucker? Um, no, 
He's what? I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here with Chase Outlaw, and we were going to say hi to Chuck to Tucker. What city? What city is Tucker from? Ooh, Devlin. Devlin, South Dakota. You ever heard of it? Nope. Have yeah. you Have you chased? Dev, are you from North? Do you know North Dakota? I know North Dakota. You know the same people that they know, maybe in the rodeo. Yeah, and I know South Dakota. I guarantee you, we know the know the same people. He's on that rodeo circuit up there. He's ranked number one. I'm going to show you some of his rides. He's a little stud. How old is Tucker now? Thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. So, Chase, uh, maybe when he gets back, tell him to uh, text me or you call me on my phone. Chase is going to have dinner with us here. We're going to hang out for a little bit. All right. Sounds good. Say hi to Chase. This is his mom, Mindy. How are you, Miss Mindy? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Yes, ma'am. All right. Tell Tucker to FaceTime me when he gets home. Okay. Will do. Okay, bye. Bye. I went and watched this kid at a couple of his rodeos, man, and he would just – he gets so ginned up, like (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> I want to show you one of his rides. See if I can find one. Then we're going to eat, dude. I've kept you long enough. I know you're getting antsy to get that deer steak going. And I'm easy. I'm easy. enjoying it. Oh, Tucker Mertens, mini bull rider. He loves it. He lo- he loves you. He he's always talking about bull riding, man. Did you ride him at this age? Yes, sir. I rode since I was four. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty good looking ride, huh? That was real good. He's a stud, I'm telling you. I used to have more of his rides. Um, What would you tell Mindy and Tucker? They walk up to you at a rodeo. He's 13, 14 years old doing what you just saw him doing. What do you tell a kid that wants to be where you're at when he's 26, 27? Is it Mendel? What do you tell them? Just like, what advice do you give them, Chase? Because it's not, is there luck? Is it? Is it mental? What is it? You can't be scared. Like, you can't be, like, you can't be scared to, to be scared because you're going to get scared, but you have to know how to, have to know how to fuel that fire. Because you tell him, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be an opportunity. You don't want to do it, but you got to make yourself do it because, you know, you, know, you got to, Depends on, you know, the situation, but if, say, him and his mom walk out and, and he deal, I'll tell him, like, you know, if this is something you want to do, this is something that you're going to have to be passionate for. Oh, he for, wants to do it. Then, yeah, then, then, um, telling a 13-year-old kid, I mean, it's, he's still got a long, long career, I mean, long time to do it, and and that's something a lot of these young kids are trying to do too much too fast, like they're trying to grow up too quick to get on trying to get on these ranked bulls too quick and trying to get, trying to move up too quick. Like, go when you're ready, and you, you'll know when you're ready. And don't let nobody else tell you, you know, tell you when you're ready because you're the only one that's tying your hand to that animal. Right. So that that's that's basically what I'd have to say because you'll know, you'll know when you're ready and just don't try to go too quick because if you try to move up too quick, all it takes is that one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Especially at, at when you're 14 years old, or when you're 25, like you did. Well, I mean, that's a crazy injury. A- exactly, but that's something. That's I was at the bull ride, and that's 
goes. You don't want to do it when you're 14 and get scared to everything. I mean, 14 years old, yeah, and go get on one or enter the open bull riding when you're 14 years old. When the opportunity you get, you could be getting on a bull that was just at one of our televised events, and you're 14 years old getting on, and then there you go, he wrecks you out, wipes you out. Whenever you could have, you have many years left to do this. Take it slow. Go to that junior rodeo, or you got know what I'm saying. Oh, like yeah. don't don't try to don't try to do too much too quick because unless you're ready for it. Because whatever you when you move up and whatever you're getting on, they're more than likely ready for it. That that bull's he's been that big for a while. He's bucked that hard for a while. It ain't his first time. It'll be his first time for a little guy getting on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The bull's been ready forever. You get what I'm saying? And it's you that's trying to move up too quick. So that's that's one thing I've noticed with young guys. They try to – and that's one thing I, I praise my dad for not doing is is pushing me and making me get on because he, he told me, he said, son, you ride them things better than I ever thought about riding. So I'm not going to yell at you or holler at you and make you get on something. You know what I'm saying? Because he said, you're the one doing it. Right. So that's that's something that I praise my dad that he never made me do because I seen some of my buddies that they were a year younger than me and we were in the in the junior bull riding together and then he he would be in the junior bull riding and his dad would make him enter the senior bull riding too and he would get wrecked out in the senior bull riding break his arm or something when he had no business riding in the senior bull riding like he was like so that's one thing I, I'd have to say to kids is is don't try to rush it like you because all it takes is that one to crack your egg and once it cracks your egg if you can't handle it then you'll never be able to come back from it right and you and did you ever have your egg cracked when you were that age yes sir i when i was uh eighth grade so 13 14 i didn't ride with that i didn't ride with the helmet and i had one whoop me down hit me in the face just like that but didn't have no horns and Knocked me out, and but it didn't crack my egg. It like it tried to, but right. that was a test, and you know I I could either let it break me down or it built me. And you know, just like back at Cheyenne when that happened, I said, you know, it was no a possibility. I've dealt with this since I was a kid, so you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You can lay there and let people feel sorry for you, and then you start to feel sorry. Then you start feeling sorry for yourself, and then. You know where that road leads you. Nowhere. 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 So in anything in life. With anything in life. And that's So one day I wanna go. I wanna be your guest to the PBR. I wanna go down I wanna get a little pass to go behind the chutes. And I just wanna see your approach and your mentality of getting on that big seventeen hundred pound machine that is gonna spin faster than we can spin, jump higher than we can jump. And he's there to do one thing, and that's to get rid of you. He yep. wants to leave that thing snort and snot. He wants to be the man, and he wants to be going out of that arena knowing that he just bucked Chase Law, Outlaw off on his ass. You just about called me Chase Lockwood. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I was almost going to say Law. No, I would oh. never call you Lockwood. Um, I was I was just thinking about how cool it would be to be there when you win or get one of these 91, 93, 94, 75 rides that – that the announcers are going crazy for the arena is going crazy. It's so badass to see what 
PBR has done with its crowd participation. Like NASCAR meets UFC meets John Wayne movie. It's just so awesome to know these people are spending their hard-earned money to buy a ticket to watch a 130-pound dude get whipped around on a 1,500-pound bull and just sit there through the whole thing and love it. And just shows you how strong that is to the American culture and the American lifestyle is rodeo. Yeah, and getting Western without them people paying a hundred and something dollars a ticket to, of their hard earned money to You're come not- watch what we love to do, what we're passionate about. I mean, that's so you have opportunity. I mean, you sort of have a responsibility to uphold and give them people a good show. I mean, and you do. You're, yeah, you. you that's how if you, you don't build- give them a good show, then you're not doing what you really. You're there you to built do. your career. Exactly. You don't really WWE it, but you get animated. You aren't faking it like WWE is. Even though WWE guys are unbelievable athletes and tough dudes and acrobatics and athletes, you're out there they putting big your life. And, they, exactly. They big and act tough, but they don't put, get put in the situations to have to be tough. Yes, exactly. And yeah. they know exactly what's coming their way. You are adapting. You got you got to be versatile. You got to know. Improvise, adapt, and overcome is uh, is is what I tell myself when I'm in there about to ride. You got it because you don't know what that song is about to do. You don't know what's going to happen. No clue. Yeah. No clue. Let's go eat. I want I want to talk to you about hunt tomorrow. Go. We'll go strategize with with Brandon. I want to talk about a PBR event when you come back. Maybe I'll come to the first one back after the injury. I don't know. I might be like your little guy that's going, oh, my God, Chase, don't do it, man. I just don't want to see you get hurt. But, dude, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I look forward to hunting with you tomorrow, eating some smothered deer steak with you tonight. Glad you're at Prairie Wings, Arkansas. Mm. Glad you're here, buddy. I'm, I'm yeah, glad for each and every one of them. Check, you just check, met. check, check. <laughs> This episode of the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, again, was brought to you by our friends at Dixie Peck Tires and Wheels. Please check them out and support them. Please support all the partners and sponsors that support us. Check out Chase Outlaw on Instagram, Outlaw365, at Outlaw365. And check out the professional bull riders on Instagram, at PBR. Look for them on all of the sports carriers, NBC Sports. They're all over national TV. You can find them online, YouTube videos. Look at what these guys are doing. They're supreme athletes on top of supreme athletes and they're there for our enjoyment but keep your prayers going for them for their safety for their family and let's uh, keep chase outlaws return to the arena and on those bulls let's keep them in our mind our thoughts our prayers as he recovers from another surgery in his shoulder y'all check him out again outlaw 365 this has been another episode of this life ain't for everybody podcast i'm chad belding for chase outlaw the pbr thank you guys so much for listening tom rashashim please hit that button this is leith lofton aka hoss what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Thank you all very much. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?